Yes, yes, y'all, we're back at it again for another one. It's the First Fridays Podcast with your girl, your host, Ali Dunn. And today, I have a very special guest, licensed, certified athletic trainer, is Amber Griffin in the house. Yay, y'all. Welcome, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for agreeing to be a part of the pod. Oh, no problem. I'm excited. Well, I'm excited too because as we were speaking before, I was telling you that my last podcast I had Adolphus Frazier who is in Hollywood. He's a filmmaker, but before he got into that field, he was playing professional football and he was talking about some injuries that he experienced that basically took him out of the game. So he had to change directions as far as his career choices. So I thought it would be great to talk to somebody who is a, an athletic trainer. And not only that, the movie Just Right with Queen Latifah and Common was on like a week ago. And <laughs> a week ago? That was like five years ago. Yeah, it was on like last week and I was watching uh, okay. it. Yeah, and I was just like, okay. I was like, this is like good timing just to see how she helped Common, his character, like rehab um, through an injury so he can get back on the court and play ball. And then she opened up her own clinic and all that. So I thought it would be cool to to talk to you about sports injuries, athletic injuries, recovery, and all these kinds of things, how they can take somebody out of the game, how to stay in the game. So I appreciate you being here. No problem. I'm excited to talk to you. Well, I want to ask you first, like, how did you even get started? Because I know you said that you used to play basketball yourself. Yeah, so I've been playing basketball since I was in the fourth grade. Um, But when I got to high school, I... Ended up stopped playing travel basketball because I had surgery every off season of basketball because I tore every labrum in my body. Whoa. So I lived in the training room with my trainer, um, and uh, I had the four surgeries for all four labrum repairs, um, and I knew I wanted to work in sports medicine because of what I had been through and the people that I interacted with, but I didn't initially know that I wanted to be an athletic trainer. Um, so I began my college career as a pre-med major but I hated the lecture-based classes like I needed something hands-on so then I transitioned to athletic training after my first semester because you like practice as an athletic trainer while you're in undergrad for athletic training so I was working with all the athletes um, at LSU and it was great and then I found sports psychology because LSU has an in-house um, sports psychologist or three in-house sports psychologists for our athletes whenever they're going through anything whether it's injury related or life um, they were able to see a sports psychologist and I love them I loved all three of them and we end up taking a sports psychology class and now I'm transitioning to that route of sports medicine which is why I'm getting my doctorate but I am still practicing athletic training on the side. Wow, so you say you basically tore all kinds of things and then had to have um, surgery. I, so my shoulders used to just sublux for whatever reason, like because they were so loose, so they never fully dislocated, but like they would always, they would never be in socket. So if I held like a three pound weight, like you would see a divot in my shoulder because my shoulder would drop out of socket. Whoa. And then while I was rehabbing for my first surgery, I tore my labrum on my sec- on my left shoulder. Um, just like overcompensating and then uh, my hips I tore both of those at the same time I went to basketball camp and it was like 10 hours of just intense basketball and 
like after the second day I like couldn't get out of bed like I couldn't move I couldn't walk I was like mom something's wrong and I continued to play basketball still so it didn't help and then I went to the doctor and they were like well you can play the season on it because it was a summer so that we had summer ball um so I ended up playing until um the till February and then I had surgery on one and then I waited another year and had surgery on the other Oh my gosh. So first I want to talk about really quickly, like what is it like to even be a student athlete? Because you have that pressure to perform on the court, but then you also have the pressure to perform in the classroom and keep your grades up. Like what is that pressure like and how do you typically cope with that? So I never competed as a college athlete, but in high school I was always a nerd. So like I lived in my books and then basketball was just like something I did on the side um so when I had to give up basketball it wasn't that hard of a transition to focus on school since I had already devoted so much time to it like I was in gifted programs my whole life and in pre-IB classes since the sixth grade so I had always like had a relationship with a positive relationship with school but realizing when I got to college that not everybody is the same I mean my sister's not the same as me but like all of my athletes all of them weren't the same like even between sports like I had one of the highest GPAs with my cross-country girls and then my track girls were like not going to class and my sophomore boys were not going to class and when I worked at the community college I would be like y'all need to go to tutoring like why are y'all sitting here playing around when y'all need to pass your classes because you're about to fail so I think people just aren't um they're not brought up the same as me so they don't have that commitment to the classroom so it's like one of the hardest transitions in college was finding a way to dedicate yourself to the classroom while also having to prioritize the sport because that's your way of paying for school yeah I was actually doing um, research not too long ago about how some college athletes deal with some of the pressure and even just partying and it's a lot of performance enhancement type of yeah, a alcohol lot of them or drug use with- outside sources yeah not to be specific on what's going on or anything but that is that's one of the the concerns that you know some people in academia have just what's going on with some of the college athletes and how are they dealing with this pressure to stay in their studies make sure that they're eligible making sure that their grades are well so they're doing drugs just to focus but then also there might be partying hard and trying to like alleviate the stress by drinking alcohol so it can be some problematic behavior over there i mean and that's just aside from just staying physically fit trying to keep your body right like a lot of people get to college and then they are diagnosed with ADD or ADHD like they don't they go through high school like not focusing through school but when they're because their teachers kind of give it to them like you're an athlete so here's an A pretty much but when you go to college it's not the same and so they realize that like they actually do have a mental or academic deficit and like they I've had athletes get diagnosed with ADHD like their sophomore junior year of college so it's not always just because they can't focus like some of them are just like they need help and they don't realize it until it's kind of too late because you're already 15 years into school wow and do you think that's because of enabling behavior when they're in high school coming up and they have teachers that are just letting them slide i think that and like a lot of people's parents are like you're not you don't have adhd like you're just hyper like you need to sit out somewhere (laughs) so people try to negate the the truth and reality 
I mean, sometimes that is the case. Like someone might have like an actual diagnosis where they need some extra time and attention to make sure they can stay on top of their schoolwork. But something that is a controversial topic in mental health, especially with um, younger kids growing up, especially children of color, especially the boys, um, that they would often get diagnosed with ADHD. They're being told that they can't even come to class unless they're on medication. And parents, I mean, obviously they have a problem with that, but some, some of them get on top of it. They make sure that they do everything that they need to do to keep their child medicated so they don't have to miss any classes. But then there's those parents that's like, wait a second, like I'm into natural holistic medicines. Like I don't want my child all drugged up just to go to school so i know this creates a big controversy too yeah for sure but i feel like in the black community a lot of it's always the well you're just hyper like nothing wrong with you like i think they overlook the the facts sometimes yeah yeah it happens and yeah i think everybody needs to just i don't know come to terms with reality and like accepting that there could be problems and not just trying to like brush it off like my kid's not crazy or my kid doesn't have anything wrong with them there are some folks that think like sometimes my stepdad (laughs) like he's so supportive of my education and whatnot but sometimes he'll make comments about like psychology mumbo jumbo and then you know some people do get kind of concerned like okay what are these words that you're using like what are all these definitions and terms like okay like yeah right and sometimes they do kind of want to overlook it, but some some stuff is real. <laughs> some stuff yeah, is for real. Sure. Yeah, and the, and the young people definitely need some extra time and attention because they can improve. Like I have a friend who um, has a child who's autistic on the spectrum, and she got him help really early at a very early age. You know, at, when he was two, she realized that he wasn't really developing like her other children. And then she got him help right away from a specialist. And now you can't even tell. I mean, it's just been two years now. And you can't even tell that there was ever anything wrong with him. You can't tell he was on the spectrum and you really wouldn't know. I mean, he's definitely come a long way just from that early intervention. So that's important too. Yeah, it's definitely important to act as soon as you can. Like, don't wait until they're 20 to go seek help. Like, it shouldn't be on the person when they're 20, when they could have had intervention when they were 10. Right. Well, that makes sense too. So this reminds me of something that we were talking about before because sometimes people don't get the help that they need because they're trying to hide their injuries. I noticed that you, you mentioned that about male athletes. Often, sometimes they try to hide their injuries, especially the professional athletes, because they have maybe a fear of missing out. Like they don't want to miss out that time to be seen on the field or on the court. Like they don't want to miss those um, college recruiters who might be in the stands watching them. They want to be able to impress their coach. They want to show up for their team. It's a lot of pressure. So sometimes they hide their injuries and so that they don't get the attention that they need to rehab. Yeah, I think it's really a thing when there's a large team. So when you have people that are behind you, so you have four strings of athletes and like the first string gets hurt. Now you're rehabbing like your your fourth string because you can't participate in the way that you were pet you were participating when you were first string so i think it's a fear of like you won't you'll lose your spot and you have to work 10 times harder to get back to where you were um so i have seen a lot of people just try to cover up their injuries or act like it, nothing was going on uh, and just trying to avoid the training room because they see us as some people as a person that takes them out of the role and that's never our goal. It's never what we strive to do. It's always we're trying to help you. We want you to be able to pick up your kid when you're 30. Like, we don't want you falling apart when you're 25. Like, it's more than just a sport. So I think it's um, it's a 
thing that people have to get athletes have to get over like we are there to aid them and we don't want to just take you out of the sport we don't want your fear of never being able to compete at the level that you want to compete at because you're scared that we'll take you away from it yeah i mean it's much bigger than that because you want to be able to get the time and the attention that you need to rehab that injury so that it doesn't end up becoming worse yeah for sure so, and I know that, you know, I have a friend who was a college athlete and he was red shirted like pretty soon after he got drafted and that created a lot of pressure for him because he couldn't play um, in his first and second season when he got on the team. And, you know, it's natural to feel kind of nervous when something like that happens because it's like you just got your spot. You don't know if you're going to be able to keep it. There's no guarantee that you're going to be able to stay on the team when you have these injuries. So it makes sense why someone would, wouldn't want to call out any injuries, but at the same time, you can just get worse and never be able to perform to your, your maximum to do what you need to do in your sport if you don't get the help that you need. So that's with men hiding their injuries. And I noticed that you said that there might be some some other injuries that women might be susceptible to. Like, for example, you said that you injured your hip when you were playing ball. Yeah, so a lot of women... The... The mechanics of a female are different than males, which is what we all know. But they're the way that women are built. They have a lot more, a lot of different forces, and like the equilibrium is different than male and women than it is in men. So there are an increase of like knee injuries as opposed to, or knee injuries and hip injuries, um, because we have a greater cue angle, which is what is what it's called. Um, so there's like a lot more stress on the knee and on the hips than males but males can also obviously hurt their knees and have hip problems it's not uncommon but you do see it a lot more in female athletes i remember i was listening to some kind of interview that donald trump was giving a long time ago and he said that he had all these about to quote donald trump (laughs) i know it's a hot take But it was interesting because he said that he has like a lot of these um, athletic friends back in the day. They would always be trying to encourage him to get in the gym and lift weights and all this kind of stuff. And he was like, now these same guys, they need hip replacement surgeries. They need knee replacement surgeries and all these kinds of things, which is why like that kept him out of the gym for, for doing those kinds of things. But that happens too. Like even if you're lifting weights and you're going super hard, I mean, I see those guys in the gym like push it, dog, push it, and it's like <laughs> they're just they're just all out of shape, all out of form. They're just doing stuff any kind of way because of that pressure of the other guys in the gym. And then next thing you know, they didn't pull the groin, and then now they do need their hip replaced and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I think one of the most important things that we can hound on is like you need to make sure that you're recovering, that you are being proactive with injuries like just because you can deadlift 500 doesn't mean you should especially if your mechanics are horrible um and then making sure that you are stretching and like actually warming up because i think a lot of people go to the gym and they just get right right to it i know that i want to do that all the time um and you can't like you actually do have to warm up you can't just go straight into 300 pound deadlifts and 100 pound (laughs) squats like you actually do need to warm up your body um, or else you ask it to get hurt. Well, that makes sense too. I mean, cause that, that could take us into a conversation about like how you can prevent injuries, like common injuries that happen and then how to just maintain your body and proper health. So warm up is important. So what's a good warm up? Like say for example, somebody who plays basketball or somebody who just wants to go to the gym and start lifting, like what's the best warm up somebody can do? 
Um, we always have encouraged something active, so doing a little cardio, a little jog, stairmaster, um, even biking, like just getting your heart rate up to get warm and then making sure that you are doing dynamic and static stretches. Like you're not just running and then going into it. You also do need to do some mobility um, exercises. So you're not just going straight from conditioning to doing squats. So run it out, jog it out, walk, do something, and then also get some stretches in and then hit the weights. Yes. Okay. And then also make sure you're eating, like, and sleeping. Nobody realizes how important sleep is. Um, I think that's also difficult in the college setting because you also are trying to graduate and be a student at the same time as an athlete. But it's important to get a, a full night's rest because your body, your brain relies on you resting it at night and then making sure you're eating an adequate meal every day but i'm not a nutritionist so i can't tell you how many grams (laughs) how to eat how many calories yeah so i just know it's important in recovery and injury prevention so let's talk about your credentials a little bit because i know you said things have changed over the years and there are different requirements so how did you get your license how did you get your certification like what did you have to do um so i was a part of a katie program when which is the governing body of like our education system for athletic training when it was an undergrad program uh, so I did three years of a specified program within LSU um, so my first year I wasn't an athletic training student I was just we call them pre-prof so it's before you actually in the program and then you do three years but some programs were two years um, and then I took a test once I graduated um, it was 172 questions and then you got like four hours to take it and it was pass or fail like you didn't really get a breakdown on how you did it was just you you went to a computer lab you did it you left for two weeks they send you an email and say your results are in and you got a green or you got a red and then you apply so that that's how I get HCC so I'm certified because I took the test and I passed it then I'm licensed because each state in the United States has a governing body except California that controls licensure for each state. So the cost for each state is different. All the paperwork you have to do is different. It just depends on what state you're applying to. So I've been licensed in Illinois, Indiana, and Georgia. Um, And then uh, now it's a master's program. So you would get your undergrad in exercise science or kinesiology or pre-athletic training or you can even do pre-PT um, and then you would apply as a master's student for a two-year program for a KD institution. And that's pretty interesting and then someone can also kind of use it sounds like maybe similar credentials and then get into like a nutrition field as well because I've seen that too like someone might be... Yeah I definitely can take a test to get a certification in nutrition um I have thought about taking a test to get my certification for strength and conditioning because all of those, like, you just need a kinesiology degree, which is what athletic training was when I was in school. Um, so it's just like a science degree, and then you take a test. With I'm saying it like it's easy. The tests aren't easy. You have to actually study for them. <laughs> um, I can't take it tomorrow. I would definitely fail. And they, they're not cheap. Like, they're like $300 tests. Okay, so you have to take this seriously when you go in to yes. take that test. Like, you got to be prepared. Not just GRE, like, you got to actually sit there and study and, like, 
know all these theories and these definitions and know your anatomy and know how to script a weightlifting program. Um, but I know that a lot of the tests are changing. They change every like 10, 15 years because I don't think they make it easier, but they try to make it more like realistic to what the situations are that you'll face. Okay. So speaking about like realistic situations, I know you were saying that sometimes you can, you might see common injuries just based on the type of sport somebody is playing. Like I know I'll be watching football and I'll see someone has like an ACL tear, but I don't really, I don't think I see that too much like in basketball or something like that. Like what are some of the, like the common injuries that you see for a basketball player versus a football player versus a volleyball player? Um, so volleyball would be the easiest because they're, predominantly over yeah overhead athletes so a lot of your hitters will have shoulder so labrum tears um surgery wise like i mean everybody will roll an ankle so i'm just taking that out of context but like if for surgery wise you see a lot of upper body a lot of shoulder um a lot of shoulder impingement a lot of bicep tendonitis um for football and basketball, like, ACLs are really common in both. I've seen a lot of athletes have ACL tears for both, but it's because of different reasons. Like, football is common if you're on a turf field because people plant and they get stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, basketball, it's like you slide when you plant, so then you have the valgus cervicalis force that tear an ACL or MCL meniscus. Um, so it's really just, like, the mechanisms are different because the – surface is different but all the injuries can happen in all the situations I remember having shin splints like I used to run track and it was like dreadful whenever because I grew up in Colorado for a little bit and whenever it would snow be a blizzard outside during track season and we'd have to practice inside we'd have to practice in the hallway on the concrete floors and I had these shin splints that were like uh it was so painful it really does make a difference like the surface that you're playing on yeah because I have when I worked softball, like, whenever we had to do conditioning on the turf, like, everybody would come in with shin splints. But it's really because just, your calves are too tight, and nobody takes it serious when we tell them to stretch their calves. Because your shins are going to your shins are gonna hurt if your calves are tight, because it's too much pressure on the tissue. Wow, okay. So you got to stretch, you got to eat right, you got to rest, too. You got to take care of yourself. You got to take care of yourself. Wow, I mean, those things are pretty neglected. Like, I never really considered, like, how much sleep could impact. I mean, obviously, if I'm too tired to go to the gym, because I like to lift weights now. I really do not like cardio at all, but I know it's a way to, like, keep my midsection slim, so I'll do it. But I like to lift weights, and I know if I'm too tired, I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm going to drop a dumbbell on my foot or on somebody's foot, (laughs) so I am not going to go to the gym if I'm too tired. But other than that, like, I wouldn't even think about, like, how important rest is and even nutrition and going to the gym. Like sometimes I'll just like have a little smoothie. Sometimes I won't even eat. I'll just go straight to the gym. Like what What might like some of the implications be? Like if I don't eat and go straight to the gym, is that okay? You can like have a recovery meal afterwards or is that something that you would not recommend? Um, I would not recommend it because your body needs the carbs and needs the protein to eat off of while you're actually working out. Um, I do not live by example, but... <laughs> I know that it because I know when I don't eat before I lift like I'm lightheaded I'm like I can't lift as heavy as I want to so I'm just like you're not I'm not I don't have enough energy to make it through as hard as I would and I've noticed that when I did squatsober two years ago versus last year like last year 
I work out late at night and I wouldn't eat before because I'm like, oh, I'm just going to eat before I go to bed. Like, it's fine. And, uh, like, I didn't PR as high as I did when I squat when I did squats over two, two years ago when I was actually eating and, like, making sure that I was, like, in the gym taking care of myself and making sure I had a good warm-up. Um, so, like, personally, I've seen a difference from not eating and not resting and just, like, being stressed when I'm trying to work out. Now, doesn't stress, like, kind of go away when you're working out? So, like, if someone is stressed out, like, shouldn't they go to the gym or should they, like, like, take some time? When you're stressed, like, your body is battling it in other ways, like, outside of the gym, yeah. So, like, but you're also not getting enough sleep because you're stressed. You're not eating right because you're stressed. So, it's, like, it's more than just the gym. Like, the gym can be a stress reliever, but your body is not in the perfect condition to be in the gym because you are stressed. Wow. Okay. There's a lot of things to be mindful of. So how can somebody be motivated? Like somebody who normally does not work out, but they know they need to, like say they're having a health problem at this point, it's getting real. Like they need to start getting some kind of exercise in. Like what is something that someone can do to either get started and stay motivated to keep going? Um, I think it all has to be personal. So like I've seen people make an Instagram just to, like hold yourself accountable or like just try to follow a bunch of people that do what they wish they could do so they could get to where they wanted to be um but it all has to be something that you want to do like somebody can't say that you need to go lose 15 pounds and they're going to drag you to the gym like you need to make sure that you want to do it it can't be on somebody else well that's good advice for people like say if you're in a relationship or someone has like a spouse and then they're like upset that their spouse gained 20 pounds over the years they never lost the baby weight or you know there's a lot of stress eating that's happening. They don't look the same anymore. And then now they're like dogging their spouse out. Like you need to work out. Oh, you're looking kind of fat or look at that stomach. Well, you that... need to break up with them first. <laughs> <laughs> they could drive you to the gym all you want, but they can't make you pick up a weight. Like you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. That's it true. has to be something that you want to do. That's true. I've seen people in the gym. They're not even breaking a sweat. And I'm like, there's no way they're on this treadmill for two hours. <laughs> And they're like not. No, they walking at point one mile per hour. <laughs> like you are not working out. Please understand. Like what are you doing? But it's good to see people in there though. Like I do like yeah. commend people when I see them in the gym. Okay, at least they're here. But I'm like I know good and well. If That's they were... the first step. Is like actually going on your own. Yeah. I think it's important. Like I've done a lot better when I had somebody to work out with. Like when my workout partners don't work out with me, I'm just like, oh, I don't even want to do this whole set. Like, can I just stop it the first set? Like, who cares? Nobody here to like keep pushing me or like to ask me what I'm doing. So I'm just like over it. Well, that's why I like having a trainer because they not only like teach me like different exercises that I wouldn't have thought to do on my own, but they push me a little bit harder than I would normally push myself. Yeah, I've had my roommate last year was actually a strength coach for the university I worked at and. I had her write me a couple workouts and I was like, I would not have put this together because I know how much I hate this. (laughs) Well, that's good to like challenge yourself. Speaking of challenges, I'm going to challenge all the listeners to give money. So we're going to take a quick music break. The song is called Red Light. It's by Ali Don. Ladies, give money. You're listening to the First Fridays podcast. Keep it locked right here. Plotting on your man. He can throw some more. Spending all this cash. Pop and let it go. Red light stop, but the beat say go. Ladies getting money, get it on the floor. Plotting on your man, he can throw some more. Spending all this cash, pop and let it go. Bossed up, waist tight. 
Smoking baby mama, ain't about that life. Getting money, girls with ice. He buys me things, I lace him twice. Rose gold, shoes right. You see me, Yaki? He smells nice. Game up, don't think twice. He got play dough, fish a price. Red light stop, but the beat say go. Ladies getting money, get it on the floor. Plotting on your man, he can throw some more. Spending all this cash, pop and let it go. Red light stop, but the beat say go. Ladies getting money, get it on the floor. Plotting on your man, he can throw some more. Spending all this cash, pop and let it go. Your baby daddy, oh what's his name? I changed my number, your boys are lame. Speaking of lame, yo you a duck. Jim Jones, bird game. He sends a message, got no likes. He couldn't hit it, three strikes. I see your haters, you're not too bright. I got my shades on, Miami Vice. Red light stop, but the beats say go. Ladies getting money, get it on the floor. Plotting on your man, he can throw some more. Spending all this cash, pop and let it go. Red light stop, but the beats say go. Ladies getting money, get it on the floor. Plotting on your man, he can throw some more. Spending all this cash, pop and let it go. Pop and let it go, pop it, pop and let it go. Ladies getting money, ladies getting money. Popping on the floor, popping, popping on the floor. Popping on the floor, popping, popping on the floor. Ladies getting money, ladies getting money. Popping on the floor, popping, popping on the floor. I be stacking paper when I move a little different. Move a little different, cash at me in my mansion. Dollar sign Aaliyah, Naima, I'm expensive. I got good jeans, trendsetters in my kinship. Rockstar life wasn't new till I did it. I be getting ghosts, you won't see me for a minute. I lay down the label, the guy collection fitted. Rocking all designer, looking lavish when I'm in it. Red light stop. You're listening the to the first Friday go. podcast brought to you by the guy collection.com. Shout out to all the SoundCloud listeners. You've just heard a song by yours truly, Ali Don. The song was called Red Light. And we're here talking to certified licensed athletic trainer Amber Griffin. And we were just talking about avoiding sports injuries. Yeah. So I know you said, okay, so other people can get injuries. I mean, not only from being stressed, being tired, I'm not having the proper nutrition, but you said some people are just clumsy and they're just prone to certain injuries. I mean, yeah, I feel like that's everyday life. Like now I'm going to start working in an industrial setting for athletic training. And everybody's always like, how are you going to be an athletic trainer when there's no athletes? And I'm like, everybody gets hurt doing the dumbest things. So everybody kind of needs it um i'm working at an airline for their for all of their employees it's kind of more so injury prevention um but even like baggage handlers or like the people that you check in your luggage to like they'll have injuries like i was told that the person there was a person who like checks in the baggage and she like started having wrist pain because she was only using one wrist to like fling your luggage and it's 50 pounds 50 plus pounds so like everybody needs it it's not necessarily like oh only basketball players need athletic trainers or only basketball basketball players get hurt like that everybody gets hurt your weekend warriors definitely get hurt because they don't prepare for the activities that they're committing to well that makes sense too i mean because i know that you said like earlier anybody can roll an ankle for wayne but then i can imagine and that's a job that i wouldn't even have thought that an athletic trainer would work you know in working for an airline but they're handling all those heavy bags and like you said they're just taking one hand and like slinging it they're like not bending from the knees everybody knows you got to bend from the knees you got to lift from the knees 
you know, when you're picking up something heavy, people are throwing their back out. I mean, I can understand how all kinds of injuries can occur. Like even sometimes I would watch somebody shopping in the grocery store, just the way they're picking up like the big heavy jugs of water, like the gallon mm-hmm. jugs of water, just seeing how they're like contorting their, like, their back. back yeah, it's baby. like, oh, I know this person is about to hurt themselves one day just trying to put the water in the basket. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about things that you've experienced just working in a clinical setting. Being a young black woman who you're licensed, your credentials, but you've had experiences where someone would question you and your knowledge or they'll try to go over your head because they just don't believe you just because of how you look. Like, how do you deal with that prejudice? My first year certified, my team could tell you how much I did not like this coach. Um, but he just questioned anything a woman would say. Like, I could say, oh, so-and-so broke their finger and, like, the finger is dangling. And he would still be like, are you sure? <laughs> um, so he, like, really pissed me off. But I just had to go in. I was like, I'm doing my job. Like, you cannot question if I'm doing my job correctly or not because each one of these athletes come in here and they get treatment and they feel better. Like, nobody is in here dicking around because they know that the job is to get back on the court um so i've had to battle that with like just being questioned as a woman and then i've also had like i don't even know how to describe it but like i had a coach who was black and who tried to like throw it in my face that all black people need to stick together but he wouldn't hold himself accountable in situations where he like left me out to dry like he just it was difficult in that situation because i was a I'm still a young professional, but, like, he was an older man and, like, complained that I told my supervisor that he was in the wrong in, like, these three particular scenarios that happened all the same weekend, and he told me that he would never trust me again because I told my supervisor that he left me at the hotel when he told me to go do something, or he told me to meet him, and he texted me an hour after the meeting was supposed to start and said I just woke up. What? So it's just been difficult with, like, people trying to throw a race in my face. Like, right. he, like he wants you to stick by his side. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, you were literally, like, there was no way to solve the problem because you, like, you didn't even care. You're just like, well, I told you to meet me at 830, so it's whatever. I'm sorry I would sleep till 930. And I'm sitting at his office, like, waiting for him to show up. You know, so we got to do better. I... We got to do better. <laughs> And I was so excited to work with this, like, all-black staff. Like, I was so excited. And then after that weekend, and he told me he's never going to trust me, and I was like, and I never can rely on you. Like, and for him to sit me down in front of all the coaches and be like, I can't trust you. And, like, all the other coaches were like, I've never had a problem. But I can see why he would feel this way. And I'm like, why he would feel that way when I was sitting at his office for an hour waiting for him? Yeah, we got to be do better. We got to do better than that. And I just want to say shout out to all the professional black staff that are on top of their job because <laughs> one bad apple can definitely spoil the bunch. And, you know, there are some prejudiced people who are just like waiting for someone who's black to mess up, waiting for a woman to underperform. Like and that's what he tried to tell me. Like people are just waiting for him to fail. Like he was a new coach. And so all black people need to stick together. And I was like, but if you're in the wrong, you're in the wrong. And first of all, I talked to my supervisor, who was another black female. So if, like, we had a race problem, like, it wasn't because we were black. (laughs) So, and I know some people, (laughs) now some people, like, they respect straight talk. Like, sometimes you have to bring it to them first, talk to them first, and then if they're still, like, screwing up, 
then it's good to go to somebody else and talk to someone else like okay are you also noticing that this person is underperforming and straight tripping like can can you talk to them because I tried but it wasn't even because of me like this coach had all had it was his first full or technically his second full year as a head coach and I wasn't the first athletic trainer and I wasn't the first problem so it wasn't like I was just a accusing him of all this stuff like you had a horrible track record going in like everybody warned me like this is gonna be your toughest year and I was like well I had a coach who questioned everything I did because I was a woman like this can't be anything like that and then I had a coach who just would like do stuff and be vindictive and leave people at the track because he was mad oh my gosh (laughs) so now you said okay so oh my goodness I want to say so many things but first (laughs) (laughs) because I mean I can I can understand how that should affect somebody's reputation in a negative way and I want to get into like how a woman's reputation could be affected in a negative way when they're unprofessional but I just want to like make the point that when we were talking before when someone's questioning your knowledge and your ability when you know you have the credentials you know you've done the work you know what you're talking about it's so important to just stand firm in what you know be confident in what you know like sometimes you have to put your foot down and just tell people what it is and not shy away when they're questioning your knowledge and ability yeah um i've had even in the three years that i've actually been practicing as an athletic trainer um i've had to tell coaches like can you just let me do my job like that's all i'm here for i'm not here to be best friends with anybody like i'm here to just work at this point um i've had a coach who like try to override me to like this girl play a soccer game but the girl like couldn't feel her toes like she was having nerve issues in her leg and I'm like you can't play soccer if you can't feel your toes like you can't run what do you mean and the coach is like yeah I'm gonna put you in like a minute like no you're not (laughs) so I had to pull her to the side like you need to let me do my job I'll let you do your job so we need the same respect for one another how do you deal with those conflicts? Like, say, for example, a coach is trying to put somebody in. You know that it's not safe for them to play. Like, what kind of position is that athlete in at that point? Like, do they listen to the coach? Do they listen to the trainer? Do they have a choice? The, they don't have a choice. Like, we override any – when it's a medical issue, like, we override anything. The only person that can override us is a doctor. Okay. And I know you said it's always important to just continue to learn, you know, just don't accept yeah. the fact that you you know everything. You got it all down. If someone's questioning you, like maybe sometimes there are situations where there are uh, more things that you can learn to be better at your job. No, I definitely rely on my coworkers and old classmates a lot. Like I'll text them whenever I'm like, because I personally hate the low back. Whenever somebody hurts their, hurts their low back, like there's so many things that could be the cause of low back pain that I'm like, okay, look, I tried this, this, and this. Like, what else can I do? Or what do you see from this case? Like, I've seen pictures of people's skin. Like, hey, what do you think this is? Because I also don't like dermatology. Um, so, like, I rely on people so much that you can't just be so focused on, like, how you are as a clinician. Like, you have to be willing to ask for help and, like, continue to grow and, like, pay attention to your CEUs just so you can grow as a professional. You're never going to be a professional. Like, you also need to find ways to be better yeah i mean that's a really good point just to continue to learn continue to grow in your field there's always more knowledge to be learned and maybe even new injuries that you haven't seen before or new techniques for rehabilitation they're always coming out with things that are disputed like are you supposed to ice and 
Mm-hmm. Everything like so, things are always changing, so mm-hmm. you just honestly have to keep doing your research. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, so back to professional reputations. Like someone, like you said, that last person that you worked with had like three incidents in the same weekends. Uh, but it seemed like he was still employed. Nobody was really checking him. But it seems like it might be kind of tougher for a woman because I remember you were telling me that there was a woman and the controversial topic of like dating athletes, like a professional trainer who's dating around some of the athletes. Her reputation yeah, got messed up and she ended up losing her job. So that's a big thing in athletic training is like making sure that you're keeping a professional relationship with all your athletes. Um, I have known somebody who worked football, so it was a male sport, who slept with a few athletes and got caught and got fired um, within a week, like lost her job immediately and had to find a new job within a week. Um, but I also know males who have married the people that they were um, athletic trainers for. So it's kind of a contradiction in, based on gender, like you... A male can date their athletes. You're not supposed to date them while they're your athlete. It's supposed to be the golden rule. But at my undergrad, we weren't supposed to date them, period. If they found out that you were dating them, they would, like, remove you from the sport. Um, so, yeah, just making sure that you're keeping a professional relationship at any point. Like, not just when you're in the training room. Like, it has to be outside. Like, if we saw somebody, even though we were classmates with the athletes, like, if we saw somebody going out, we would have to, like, avoid them. Um, or like they would tell us to leave the bar but I'm not leaving a place just because somebody shows up I pay my money to get in here I'm not leaving just because you want me to Right. Um, but there is like a you just need to make sure that you are respecting the boundary like they are an athlete and you're still an athletic trainer whether you are in the clinic or not that does sound like a double standard so it could be a male professional athletic trainer and then all of a sudden he he gets married so if he marries the athlete it's okay but if it's the female who's the professional trainer in this case and people find out about what she's doing she gets fired yeah i think in his case he supposedly didn't date her until after he had left the university okay but it's the, like, what was y'all doing when y'all were together? <laughs> right? Like, oh, how and when did you and meet exactly? That he did date was somebody that needed an extensive rehab. Like, it wasn't like a, a random one on the team. Like, it was somebody that they spent a lot of time with together. So. <laughs> so that's how they, like, cultivated their budding relationship. Yeah, it's a little bit of a sticky situation. It is a sticky situation because, you know, that's how... Oftentimes people, they build relationships and they do fall in love. Like say if it was an actor and they're on the road working Broadway or whatever um, circuit play. And just because you've been on the road with this person for so many months doing this tour, you end up building a relationship just because you've been around that person. They know you really well. You've got this bond now. Now you're in a relationship. So, I mean, it's just unfortunate. Like if you're an athletic trainer and you're doing the same thing, working with someone who needs extensive rehab, extensive treatment, you're building that same connection over time. It seems natural that someone, if they have chemistry, they would be able to develop a relationship afterwards, but they're not supposed to go there. But people in other industries can. It does make yeah. it kind of tricky. Um, I'm not gonna like. I'm not gonna lie. I didn't date any of my athletes, but I have really good relationships with a lot of them. Like. I have three boys who are on the basketball team when I worked at the community college who will just call me whenever. Like, they're they're older than me, too, so they're like my big brothers. But I 
like it's hard to just be like no i'm just a clinician will ne- i will never see you as a human being outside of <laughs> this like that's impossible and it's not realistic so like i have really good relationships with a lot of my athletes and it was a struggle to be like i can't be your friend but like i knew that as a professional like i needed to establish that relationship but once they were my athletes like i was like okay we can be friends now that's tough i mean especially when they find i'm glad none of them was (laughs) (laughs) they got the nice muscles for you (laughs) (laughs) like you ain't never want to quit like wait a second let me rethink this job (laughs) yeah no like it's not worth it it's not worth it that is kind of messed up i mean that is something to keep in mind too like if you are a woman in this field it is important to know that people are looking at you different and there is a double standard so you do have to hold on to those professional boundaries so that you don't end up losing your job and putting your reputation at stake in the industry and people are always watching you like somebody not somebody's always out to get you but somebody it only takes one person to snitch on you that you were hanging out with the wrong person so you need to just make sure how you hold yourself and like where you are and who you're with and just like respect their profession and people know that you are an athletic trainer. Like I never broadcasted on any of my social media what my profession was. Um, they may have known what school I went to, but they didn't know like what what teams I was working with or anything like that. Like they may have seen a story, but it was never like a post like, Oh, I'm so excited to work with this team this year, like I just kind of kept my personal life off of social media, like my work life off of social media. Yeah, well, that's a good idea. That's a, just a good general rule of thumb. But it's, it's so tough, like in this day and age where people want to see everything. They want to see what you want to do for work. They want to see like how you hang out in your personal life. It's like they want to see everything. But it is important just to be mindful of just having that professional reputation and just thinking twice about what you want to post. Yeah, for sure. So let me ask you this. So how do you deal with burnout in the profession? I mean, if you're working with so many athletes, I mean, it's a lot going on. And then now even working in the airline industry, I mean, how do you deal with burnout when you have your own personal life too? You don't want to just overwork yourself. You want that me time as well. Like what's the best way to cope with burnout? Um, That is one of the most difficult parts about the job. I think you definitely need to find a setting that, it's you so if you want to be a mom and like you want to spend so much time with your kids like you're not going to work in the collegiate setting you can't but like you have to travel with your team you don't get to make your hours like you're going to work whenever your team has practice before they have practice and after they have practice you're on the road the day before the game and days after the game you're missing holidays um when I was a GA um I couldn't I felt like I couldn't call in sick um I was there rather I felt like I was 100% as long as I didn't have COVID like I was there um but I also missed funerals and I missed birthdays and I missed family vacations because I was working and I felt like I couldn't call it sick now I could have technically but like finding coverage was just way too difficult and I didn't feel like having to beg people to take my job or take my shift so um that's important and when I work at the secondary level I definitely had off like i I didn't go to work till like one o'clock in the afternoon. Like I just, I didn't do what I wanted to do, but I could tell my boss like, Oh, I'm going to be on vacation for a week and a half. And it was fine. Um, my job now I make my schedule whenever I want because it's open seven days a week from like 7am to 9pm. So I can make my hours whenever I want to. 
within that time frame. So, and then I don't go home with work. So when the clock ends, I just hand over my, when I clock out, I just hand over what I was doing, no matter if the patient is in the room or not. Like I just hand it off to somebody else. Um, so finding the setting that fits your needs is important. And then you're getting, you don't get into this profession to make money because there is not a lot of money in athletic training. Um, I know if I was to stay at the university that I was at, um, and instead of going to get my doctorate, I was going to be making like $5,000 more than I did my first year coming out of undergrad without a master's degree. So depending on where you live, it determines how much you make. But I also have a friend who lived in Texas, which is like one of the highest playing states for athletic training, who made a lot more than me, who had less um, less experience, and she only had an undergraduate degree, uh, who would have made a lot more than I did when I had got my master's and stayed in Atlanta. So finding the setting, making sure that you know that this isn't for, you're not going to get financially compensated, so... Just making sure you're in it for the right reasons. Um, I told myself I was in it because I wanted to help others and I wanted to build those significant relationships to like let people know that I was always going to be there for them and like this was going to be an environment that they can come and bitch gripe and complain about any and everything. And I just wanted to make that foster that environment in such a tough atmosphere of sports. Um, so just making sure that you know what you're getting yourself into and you're building the right, you're setting yourself up to be successful. Well, that's important too. I mean, really in any industry is knowing your why people would say like, why are you doing this? And it can't necessarily be for financial compensation, financial gain. It's got to be for the passion, for the love of it. You know, it's got to be something a little bit deeper if you're not going to get paid. But if you do want to get paid, it seems like Texas is a good market to go if you want to be. Texas or be a physical therapist or be, if you're dual certified, you will, you'll make money. So like if you're a PTAT or a psych AT or a CSCS AT, so as long as you have another credential by your name, you will get paid more. Okay. So you got to put in the work. Having a master's degree is not it. Okay, so you got to put in the effort, the work to stay educated, get certified, get dual certification, and then you'll be in a better position financially. Yeah, and I know that the professional market is moving to only have dual certified mm-hmm. for basketball, at least. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like it's going to be beneficial, too, for the athletes to be able to get that additional support from somebody who is more knowledgeable. Yeah, and like just so you can help out in other areas, like they don't have to rely on so many or like so many positions like they can just rely on you to do strength conditioning and athletic training aspects well that makes sense and then also it's important to have that work-life balance like you were talking about you know being able to take that time for yourself even though like it seems like you were able to take some time off but you just felt like you couldn't like what can you say to someone who feels like that like they know legally they can take some time off but the team is on the road or like how do you balance that like do you really need to be there just having somebody who can't cover your shift like what do you do when you know that you're burnt out and you feel like you have to be there but technically you could take that time off like what do you do i personally booked a trip every time we had a week off like i'm not going to be in the united states so i would like go out of the country i need to restart i need to be on a beach far away from y'all don't call me don't text me like I'm not answering my phone out of the country. I'm not paying 25 cents a minute. Right. So I would like literally be like, I'm leaving. I'm going to, I'm going to Mexico. I'm going to Jamaica. Um, 
I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> like, <laughs> making sure that I think it's also important to like have friends outside of athletic training. Like it's hard for them to understand that I'm not available nearly as much as you would want me to, but like I don't want to go home and talk about work. Like I'm sick of talking about athletes. I'm sick of talking about why this person complain about this ankle injury but they won't do the rehab like I don't want to talk about work and I make sure that my family like I'm not here to assess your injury like go to a doctor I don't <laughs> I don't know what to tell you they like I literally act like I'm stupid when I'm at home <laughs> my mom hurt herself <laughs> I literally said oh I guess you gotta go to the doctor and then she was like like she doesn't understand what athletic training is I'm con- I am officially convinced because she went to a PT and was like, oh, this PT said this, this, and this. And I said, yeah, I could have said the same thing. And she said, well, why didn't you? And I said, because you were just doing too much, and I just didn't want to be bothered. Oh, my like, gosh. No, I get it. That I'm makes not. sense. Because I used to work for an entertainment company, and it seems like my family, they just thought I knew how to do everything. Like, they thought they knew how to fix the equipment. They thought I knew how to um, give them a discount on a bill. They thought I could do it. I'm like, look, come on now. <laughs> I don't yeah, own the I company. Try to, I try to leave work at work as much as possible. It's hard because, like, I am on call 24-7 if you work in a collegiate setting. Um, but I try to leave work at work as much as possible. And I think that, like, my athletes, they learn to respect that. Not, not every – some of them are, like, coddled when they – their entire life. So telling them that, like, you don't want to be bothered, like, you want a day off just like they want a day off. It's difficult for them, but, like, most of them understand, like, I don't want to bother Amber today. Like, let her go do her grocery shopping. Well, yeah, that's important to just be considerate. Yeah. All right, Amber, so one last question I have before I let you go. I want to know, like, what advice would you give to athletes, whether they're in a collegiate setting, high school, or even in a professional setting? Um, Just stay on top of yourself because you're going to be – you're going to be your hardest like critic. You're going to also hold yourself back the most. So regardless of if you're injured or not, like you need to be taking care of yourself. Like we said, making sure you're eating right making sure you're stretching and warming up and recovering, like make sure that you are taking care of yourself as much as you can. And don't be afraid of the training room. Like we are there to help. We're not there to take you out of the sport. Like it literally breaks my heart to tell people they can't compete anymore. So, that's not what I always want to do. Like, I'm going to try to get you back as soon as I can. I'm going to try to let you participate as much as possible. Rather, it's like, okay, well, you can't do this, but you can do that. Like, I'm trying to get people to do what they love as long as they can. Well, that sounds so good. That sounds good. Well, thank you so very much for your time. I appreciate you for just sharing your knowledge and wisdom. So once again, it's certified and licensed athletic trainer is Amber Griffin. Thank you for joining us. Now, how can someone contact you? On Instagram at AMB, four U's in three R's. So AMB, U, 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 R, R, R. Yeah. All right. We got it. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the First Fridays podcast brought to you by thegodcollection.com and shout out to the listeners on SoundCloud. Now, make sure you bring it back for another one and another one and another one and we out.